Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Rich Klein. We're going to talk about the 98-99 Pacific suite of sets in hockey. I think hockey was important to Pacific, and I think it allowed them to open up a lot of Canada. Mike Kramer had been a king salmon and crab fisherman in his teens and 20s to allow him to be able to have a company, great photographer as well. So I think he loved hockey too. Anyway, thanks sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading. Beckett. If you're where he was in the Seattle area, Close to Canada. you're two hours away from Canada. Yeah. ComC, where I work, has a Canadian office that's about two and a half hours away. You could be a card collector extraordinaire, as he was, and not be a sports fan. But he was a sports fan, too. It's the best of both worlds. When you see someone that really loves sports and loves the cards, they probably have a lifetime hobby. If you just like the cards and you don't love sports, I guess you could do not. Well, you and I have a lifetime hobby because we're sports fans and I'm we love saying, the cards. I'm saying, I mean, but I'm saying that's to me that's the core of the industry. The ongoing appeal is you, you love the sports and you love the cards. And Mike Kramer was one of us. When we talked about John Clemens and we did his tribute, that's something about John. He was a sports fan and he loved cards. And he loved cards. Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. and there's a lot of us out there. The world is changing. I know, but it's not as much as it was, I don't think. I think you're right. People but there's still a lot of us out there. But it's less than it was. You know, I'm not counting eSports. Okay. <laughs> I'm not counting sports on the field. At any rate, this is 98-99 Pacific Hockey. So they're going to come out in 98, early 99 and uh, cover hockey. I have five products. They provided information in the spreadsheets. And then two, they did Omega, and which would be a more popular, a more Produce set or Revolution, which would have been one of the lesser ones. But we got info from Pacific, their flagship hockey set, 98.99, 15 million cards total, including inserts, parallels, and and uh, base cards. Aurora, 5 million. Crown Royale, again, the high-end product that they have, their premium product, at 1.3 million. That's really low. Then Dynagon, Ice, uh, 6 million, and Paramount, 8 million. And Omega probably would be Eight or ten million revolution could have been one or two million. We're guesstimating on those last two products. We're talking forty-five million cards. That's most- almost the same as football, right? So it's not an afterthought for them because I think they use that as a way to open up more of Canada. Not only that, which but is smart. Hockey license tends to be cheaper, I suspect, than the football. Smaller license. guarantees, I would think. But again, you're getting distribution in Canada. Your retail distribution in Canada is going to be through different channels. But they could take football. They could take baseball once you open it up with hockey. I think Pacific was a reliable brand. Their brand promise was generally fulfilled, I think, right up to the end. They had integrity of their products. from. They're using the same product names across all the sports, so they are building a brand identity. Yeah, but if their flagship hockey is selling essentially the same number as their flagship football, essentially the same number as their flagship baseball, what does that say? It it says that baseball, they were not necessarily late to the party, but for whatever reason, baseball was considered to be pretty satiated, maybe. That people never really fully grasped uh, Pacific baseball. But hockey... I wonder how much that had to do because Pacific's first real forays into baseball were the... the Spanish. Were the Nolan Ryan and the Tom Seaver and then the Spanish. And that cheapened it a little bit, maybe. Aurora, we talked about the 80-20 rule a while back uh, with Torsten. The Aurora, like many sets, the Aurora, 80% of the cards that you get six cards per pack. So if one of them is an insert or a parallel, then one out of six or one out of five, depending because there's some other ones that go in there too. It's almost 20%, 80, 20, 80% of the cards that yeah. you get are base and 20% are 
our inserts. As we said, with Pacific, there were certain populous inserts actually worse base card. There's more. But then there were a bunch of them that were There's really like 11, tough. and some of these sets, and there were maybe one of them, there's 11,000 of each insert produced and 8,000 right. of each base card produced. And so you're thinking you get a bargain when you're looking in the dollar box for the Aurora insert, but the base card's actually the better card. <laughs> well, it's one of the reasons people had to go to our magazines back in the day and price guides, because just because it's an insert, that would suggest that it ought to be maybe worth more. But in this case, the design might be interesting. And if it's a Peyton Manning base card, oh, that's a base card. Peyton Manning insert, think, oh, that's better. Wouldn't necessarily be better in the football context. And in hockey, it's the same kind of thing. Crown Royale, I'm just blown away looking at these numbers, how few were produced. It was a hobby-only product. What's amazing is Crown Royale, the total production numbers were remarkably similar among all the major sports. It's about a million and a half. Yeah. Okay, now, does Upper Deck own Pacific licensing rights anymore? I think they the, the used to, at least, yeah. Uh, and, and I think Crown Royale is one of the ones that they've continued to exploit. Yes. And that's because the, it, it, it does have a good name, so that's good. Okay, Dynagon Ice. That's the only name that's unique to any sport is Dynagon Ice. This even gets down to how many wrappers they had, how many display boxes they made, how many corrugated uh, case boxes they made. I don't know how much of that is still out there. Again, people don't collect modern wrappers anymore, but my sense was that if Pacific didn't produce their own wrappers, they did their own wrapping. I think they had a wrapper machine that takes well, if you've the, got a printing the press, roll of wrappers. If you've got no, a but print- it's an attachment to it. It's, if you've got a printing press, you might as well do your own wrapping. Otherwise, you've got to box them all up, ship yeah. them out. The other thing you have to have there is like an inserter that is either, either random or, or systematic that every 36th pack or something gets one of these cards. You just brought up an interesting point that I've never thought about. If no one's keeping wrappers today... Then rappers are tough. Then rappers are really going to be tough in 20, 30 years from now. If anybody cares, there's probably going to be a really good market for a rapper for those that understand that they just don't exist. Well, you'd have to, it's reverse psychology. You'd have to think, things are getting so expensive. People are thinking, what's the alternative? Who would have thought 30 years ago, type one photos would be so valuable? That the original photo for the card could be worth more than the card itself. It's more scarce. There's only one photo. and There's, there's only one, but there's many wrappers. There's many wrappers. But how would you preserve the wrapper? Because a wax wrapper, you can gently unseal and unfold it. But if it's cello, it breaks down. If it's the poly or, or the foil wrappers, it's pretty hard to do without cutting it or, or gently pulling it apart, which would really be a labor of frustration, I think. So to have a pristine wrapper, that had product in it, I think that'd be hard. So Rich, I do know somebody that's ahead of you on that. Oh? It's Wayne Grove. Yes. Wayne Grove has all those wrappers. What's funny is- all those years. And they're all cataloged and they're in boxes. As of the last time, which has been a long time ago now, he did have those because he is prepared for the increase in demand for wrappers. And you only need one person, but I'll tell you something. Wayne, one day, Somehow, when he was working on the old Beckett Vintage magazine, something came up, and we were talking about 63 Fleer wrapper. He not only had the 63 Fleer wrapper, he had the cookie, but he had the cookie. That doesn't surprise me. That's the kind of caliber of partner I had. Uh, people said, well, what happened when something good came in the shop? It never left, because <laughs> Gervis had eclectic interests. I did, and Wayne certainly did. When interesting things came in, that was the fun of having the store, 1980-ish, because it was about 
what would walk in that, that you could acquire. No, and you were just selling stuff. But you and Gervis especially were also fortunate you had other streams of employment. Yeah. yeah. We weren't taking a salary. Wayne was getting a salary, but we weren't. But you could afford to be a collector. Yes. If you've got a good stream of income coming in and you had your streams and Gervis was a computer guy. And right. So if you have good income coming in and you're able to do a card store on the... I think it's the greatest side gig of all time. People that want to leave their job to do this full time, they should think twice. Uh, now, Mike Kramer, I think he was always doing side gigs. He was doing the with King Salmon, the crab. But you're not a... But you're not six a, months but, a year. Yeah, but if you're doing six months a year, you've got six months a year then to do other things. I know, but he was making more money in those six months than most people make in a year. Right. Because, but, so because then you got it's six, actually was dangerous work. Then you've got six months... A, well, yeah, Dangerous Catch is a fascinating TV series. If you've got six months a year where you can do other side gigs and you've got your income already guaranteed... That's golden. I actually had that because I was a professor. And I had tenure. That's basically eight months. So I had four months off if I wanted. I could teach during the summer if I wanted to, but I didn't have to. And so I could have had eight months on, four months off, summers to do uh, shows and, and weekend shows during the year too sometimes. Those were simpler days, hectic in a, in a different way. And in those years, there was the Midwest summer, I don't want to say character. Circuit. Circuit. Yeah. Where you could have just been doing your stuff in the summer and Okay, those four months a year, I'll do it. And the world was going slower in those days. When I went to shows in those days, the fun thing was, and this is late 70s, and you know, I would put stuff in my trunk. Mainly your table could fit in your trunk. So I'd fill up my trunk with shoe boxes. No showcases. You just put it out. That's why I had that theft that I still yeah. sticks in my craw. But you put your cards out. At the end of the show, and I didn't bring a lot of money. At the end of the show, I had more money than when I started, and I had more cards. That's a it's win. the best of both worlds. I had different cards, uh, arguably better cards. What's wrong with that picture? Nothing. And not only that, in those days, you were picking up regionals and things that were from other parts of the country, and you were trading off the stuff that you had a lot of because it was where you were, or regular Tops and Bowman cards. Those were great days. You know, Mike did a lot of that, and too. And Mike was involved in that. Mike created his own sets. He had really cool yeah. stuff. I met him in 1975. At, the, at one of those very early Detroit shows. And he was there, and he's so unassuming. You're not exactly he's, the most assuming. I know, but he's walking around, and people don't realize. And, and I said, I didn't know him, but I'd heard him, because I tried to figure out who people are and stuff like that. I thought, let's make Mike Kramer. But he's very unassuming. And I said, well, you've got a lot of cards. He said, yeah, I've got a lot of cards. He said, but I'm trying to get all the cards. And I said, what do you mean all the cards? All the cards. I want to get all the cards. It's like David Porter. I want to get all the cards. I said, do you, do you have a million cards? He said, I've got more than a million cars. I, I, I have a warehouse full or something. Because he'd been, you know, and there a lot of them were new, but a lot of them were old too. At that 75 Detroit show, he bought up every T206 that was reasonably priced in the place. Because he was smart. And uh, so that's the kind of guy we want running a card company. It's sad that even in spite of expanding to hockey, doing football, he'd been he'd done soccer before, MSL or whatever. The American thing is not as good. He'd done Leave it to Beaver. And I Love Lucy. Uh, he did, which now I had taken another boost. I think Gunsmoke he did. He did Legend sets. He did a lot of cool sets. He did a bunch of stuff in the 80s. As I said, I know he did the Pacific Legend sets several times. I think hockey was a winner for him. What must have happened is baseball or maybe football, put pressure on them in some way, either to increase their guarantees or I don't know what it would have been, but at some point they got into some financial difficulty. But I doubt that hockey was the problem. They didn't have a, a huge overhead. No. And they were very lean, which I think is to their credit. Would you rather have a successful company with 50 employees or a successful company with 150 employees? 
after you've done that, you realize, hey, 50 was simpler and better because you knew everybody and everybody's there because they wanted to be. They couldn't get lost in the shuffle. And when you came, how many people? I was about employee number 50, give or take. And it was, so it, it's peaked when Rich came. It was up to about 175. No, the, you, you told well, me the right number. Yeah. But, and I'm, I'm going to say, and I think you said it was even more, but yeah. I just used the term 175 in yeah. 93. Yeah. And it's settled, but grading now has maybe half the employees of Beckett. And a whole separate company almost. It is. It probably is. But to Mike's credit, you don't hear people talking about the bad things Mike Kramer did owning Pacific. Backdoor. I didn't hear a lot about that. Yeah, you never hear it. There's a lot to be said for that. You don't hear the employees saying... So are you thinking maybe he destroyed overproductive products? He was very cognizant of the issues of oversupply. He had extra sets held back. But I just have never seen David Adams back around in there. There were people acquiring remainder lots from card companies. Yeah. But it cheapens your brand if you don't do it right. You have to be very careful with it. And you don't see that. And as I said, you don't hear the employees ever talking anything bad about him either. Yeah. So there's a lot to be said for everything Kramer. And we hold uh, Mike in high esteem. And uh, him sending us this info just verifies that I think they were doing a lot of things. But they were the, the small player in this industry. Hey, look, a small player making 120 million cards in a year. That's not exactly the, the small. <laughs> think that. about that for I a know. minute. Rich, but I just think that's a, that's a lot. It sounds like a lot, but in baseball, I, I, I bet Tops is doing more than that in their flagship. But think about it. They made from these, we're, we're extrapolating between 120 and 150 million cards. And for some people, they would hear that number and say, my God, that's an amazing number. In retrospect, that's the pebble in the ocean. In the industry. In the industry. And if they overproduce compared to what the demand would be for that year, not for future years, yeah. but for that year, the, the only way you can lose money is if you can't sell the product that you have to pay to produce it. And if you're not able to sell it, you can't get it sold through, then you got a problem. You always have to pay the royalties yeah, to the leagues yeah, and the yeah. players. They're not going to say, no, we'll give yeah. you a pass. Guess what? I don't think so. Anyway, thanks, Rich. Thanks, Mike Kramer. Thanks, listeners. Give uh, give Pacific a second look. I, I suppose you're spending all your money on Topps, Panini, and Upper Deck, maybe a little bit on Leaf, too. But uh, the older brands, that's one of the exciting things about the hobby. You can collect the new stuff, and you collect the old stuff, too. And now Pacific is officially old. <laughs> so thanks, everybody. Be back tomorrow.